Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. Each month, Chess Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peter Mazzone highlights key articles from the current issue of the journal to help clinicians stay informed about new research in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce this month's episode, here is Dr. Peter Mazzone. Thank you for joining me for the first Editor's Highlight podcast for the journal Chest. One of the journal's goals is to make our content as easy to access as possible. It is my hope that through this podcast, I will be able to highlight some of the content in each month's issue to help you determine what articles are most important for you to dive into. Our journal editorial board is divided into content areas, and we organize our publication within each of these content areas. We currently have nine subspecialty content areas, as well as a humanities series and four case series. Each content area contains original research and review articles from one of our review section formats. I'll touch on each content area in my overview. In our asthma section this month, you'll find research addressing whether a behavior change intervention aimed at increasing physical activity can improve asthma control and other patient-centered outcomes in adults with moderate to severe asthma. This randomized control trial added behavior change aimed at increasing physical activity in the intervention arm to the usual care and disease-specific education provided to the control group. They found that the behavior change intervention led to increased physical activity, improvements in asthma clinical control, sedentary time, sleep quality, and anxiety symptoms. Thus, an intervention with little possibility of harm led to a whole lot of benefit. In our chest infection section this month, you'll find research addressing whether there is benefit to treating hospitalized patients with COVID-19 with the drug ivermectin. In this observational study from four hospitals, the outcomes of 173 patients treated with ivermectin were compared to 107 patients who were not treated with ivermectin. Attempts to minimize bias and confounding included adjustment for relevant confounders and a propensity matching analysis. In this cohort, the authors found that treatment with ivermectin was associated with lower mortality particularly in those with severe pulmonary involvement, supporting the performance of controlled trials of this drug. Two other chest infection research articles were published this month. The first explores aspiration risk factors, microbiology patterns, and empiric anti-anaerobic antibiotic use in hospitalized community-acquired pneumonia patients. And the second is a systematic review comparing lung histopathology of COVID-19 to SARS and H1N1 influenza. An excellent review article on pulmonary exacerbations in adults with cystic fibrosis can also be found in this month's issue. In our COPD section this month, you'll find research that describes the clinical course of interstitial lung abnormalities in patients with COPD. In this retrospective, longitudinal study with over five years of follow-up, patients with ILAs were older, had lower lung function, and had a higher incidence of moderate to severe acute exacerbations of COPD. 
those with progressive ILAs had higher rates of annual decline in their lung function. An editorial helps us understand the potential clinical impact of these findings. Two other research studies appear in this month's COPD section. The first explores the effect of evening dosing of dual long-acting bronchodilation on respiratory mechanics. And the second assesses the validity of the Late Life Disability Index, a participation measure in people with COPD. An excellent review of CT imaging and comorbidities in COPD can also be found in this month's issue. In our critical care section this month, you will find a systematic review with meta-analysis and trial sequential analysis of randomized controlled trials assessing the benefits and harms of higher versus lower oxygenation strategies in acutely ill adults. Despite 36 trials and over 20,000 participants contributing data to the analysis, only low to very low certainty evidence existed. In this context, no difference in mortality, serious adverse events, quality of life, lung injury, sepsis, and cardiovascular events was found between the oxygenation strategies. Three other critical care research studies are in this month's issue. The first explored the outcomes of ICU survivors with type 2 diabetes and the feasibility of a trial of a shared care follow-up clinic in this group. The second determined the proportion of early ARDS, mechanically ventilated patients, that are affected by reverse triggering, as well as predictors of reverse triggering and its association with clinical outcomes. And the third described outcomes of an evidence-based protocol for care of critically ill COVID-19 patients in one hospital network. A How I Do It review of lung ultrasound for patients with COVID-19 pulmonary disease provides clear guidance for how this tool can assist with the evaluation of this patient group. If you read our diffuse lung disease section this month, you will learn about the trends in IPF-related mortality in the United States from 2004 through 2017. Using the multiple cause of death database through the CDC, the authors found a decrease in age-adjusted mortality of 4.1% in men and 13.4% in women. This trend was noted in all groups except for white men. They also found that the percentage of deaths occurring at home and in hospice had increased over time. Additional work may help uncover the factors associated with this good news. Another original research manuscript in this section explores healthcare resource utilization attributable to IPF in a real-world population. Finally, you'll find a fascinating review of leptin in lung health and disease. In our education and clinical practice section this month, one study describes the feasibility of using a 5G-based robot-assisted remote ultrasound system in examining patients with COVID-19. Another study addressed the under-recognition of chronic wet cough, a hallmark of protracted bacterial bronchitis in an indigenous population by facilitating health-seeking using knowledge translation strategies. A final study designed to assess whether cough characteristics could be used to differentiate common cough etiologies in children found that the characteristics were not distinct enough to distinguish between the common acute respiratory illnesses. 
This section also includes a review that describes the physiology and pathophysiology of cough and a how I do it review of how to assess a post-lobectomy PA chest radiograph. Our pulmonary and cardiovascular section includes four original research articles. The first description of data from the United States Pulmonary Hypertension Scientific Registry, including individuals with Group 1 PAH from 15 U.S. centers who had enrolled in the National Biological Sample and Data Repository for PAH, provided insight into this population. They noted a predominantly middle-aged female population, delays in diagnosis, treatment with combinations of PAH-targeted medications, and genetic testing results that frequently identified unsuspected heritable PAH. The second research article in this section identified the body mass index as a modifier of pulmonary hypertension severity in both PAH and PVH, and also as a contributor to the pathogenesis of PVH. The third research article found that women with portopulmonary hypertension have a higher PVR, lower MELB score, and more autoimmune liver disease than men. And the final research article in this section describes the development of Reveal Light 2, a simplified method to discriminate among PAH patients with low, moderate, and high risk of one-year mortality. How I Do It review of the PE response team concept provides the reader with practical guidance on the development of this important process of care. In our sleep medicine section this month, you'll find a research study that assesses whether CPAP adherence varies by age and sex. Telemonitoring data from CPAP manufacturer databases were used to assess adherence across nearly 790,000 patients after CPAP initiation. Overall, adherence was close to 73%, with a low of 51% in 18-to-30-year-old women and a high of 81% in 71-to-80-year-old men. Adherence peaked early for younger age groups and later for older groups. This understanding may help to educate, monitor, and facilitate adherence. Two other research studies are published in the sleep medicine section of this issue. The first found that a greater severity of sleep-disordered breathing was associated with higher nocturnal and morning glucose levels in women with gestational diabetes. And the second reported that sleep fragmentation was associated with worse cognitive performance in mechanically ventilated ICU patients while in the hospital, but not at later time intervals. Our thoracic oncology content area includes a study designed to characterize the relationship between tumor size and the extent of surgery, segmentectomy or lobectomy, on overall survival in patients with clinically node-negative non-small cell lung cancer. Using data from the National Cancer Database from 2004 through 2015, 143,000 patients with clinical T1 to 3 node-negative, non-small-cell lung cancer, of whom 95% underwent lobectomy, were assessed. Significantly improved survival in those who underwent lobectomy was noted beyond a tumor size of 10 millimeters for those with adenocarcinoma 
in 15 millimeters for those with squamous cell carcinoma, helping us to further personalize treatment recommendations. Other articles appearing in the thoracic oncology section this month include one that explored the potential impact of an airway genomic biomarker on clinical management decisions in patients with low and intermediate risk lung nodules, and another that identified thematic responses to a qualitative study assessing the implementation of shared decision-making in lung cancer screening programs. I encourage you to explore the results of these studies. A special feature in this section provides a brief overview of e-cigarette or vaping product use-associated lung injury. Finally, I encourage you to take a look at a piece published in our Humanities and Chest Medicine series this month titled The Subway. Our case series publications for the month provide novel and educational cases to test your clinical acumen. Now, an, an incredible amount of high-quality content is available in this month's issue of CHEST. I am so very grateful to the authors of this work, the reviewers who volunteered their time to improve the quality of these submissions, and to our editorial board for guiding everything that we do. Until next month, I hope you enjoy the January issue. Thanks for listening to the CHEST Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. You can find the articles mentioned in this podcast and more on chestjournal.org. And if you're looking for more context and commentary on articles in the current issue, please check out the original Chest Journal podcast, which features in-depth discussions with the authors themselves. We'll be back again with more editor's highlights next month.